On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Tight. It's four. Chris Lynn has taken the wild thing and sent him possibly out of the room. It's on the roof. Look at the look on his face. He's just smiled. That's what I do. It was at 148 kilometers an hour on the Optus speedometer. My days. Even the wild thing's going well. I can't do much about that. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp cricket podcast. And the sound you just heard was my special guest smashing Sean Tate onto the Gabba roof. Yes, joining me on the podcast, I have uh, superstar Chris Lynn. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. So great to talk to you. Uh, so... When you're out in the middle and the run rate's climbing and you're in a big chase, I, I want to know where your coolness under pressure comes from. That's a very good question because sometimes I lose my cool. I find you play those scenarios out in the nets all the time against the bowler and that's why you try and take that competitive edge against each other. But um, I, I find, obviously, you look at the scenario of the game, but if I find if I'm still batting at the 20th over, I'd like to think we're, we're in with a good chance. And no matter no matter of the the size of the run rate um, or the target. So it's it's a matter of, I don't know, I try and, on, this, on the big screen, it really helps when it says balls to runs because my math isn't great. If it <laughs> says 13 overs to uh, seven overs left with X amount of runs, I can't work it out quick enough. So the, the electronic scoreboard has been a big help. And that if you take a runner ball, and you know you're going to pick up the boundaries. And it's all about communicating with the batter at the other end because there's nothing worse than you know being on two different pages with the bloke at the other end. And uh, when you come together, you can really take on the other 11 blokes. I can imagine, though, when the run rate's climbing, it can get quite... Quite daunting you can start to sort of think god i need to start really taking on the bowlers and you know you have to sort of stay in control of your game yeah absolutely i think you know you look at the you look at 10 years ago you'd always nearly bat first in 2020 cricket now now i think teams are chasing so you know that scoreboard pressure isn't as um, I suppose we're used to it now because the big totals and, and teams like to um, chase totals down rather than defend. And um, as a batter, you feel comfortable hitting, you know, the blokes are that strong now. They can whack the ball, they can mistime the ball, they can edge a ball for six. So no targets, unrealistic. And as I said, if you just try and put that scoreboard pressure away and, and if you're trying to belt every ball for six, you'll actually do it easier if you put that scoreboard pressure t- to the side. Yeah, well, we've seen recently even some of the teams, they can chase down, you know, 20, 30, 40 in the last two overs. So, yeah, you're right. No totals are sort of out of reach now. What about the opposite when the ball's just disappearing off the middle of that big crystalline <laughs> bat and, and uh, you're really smoking them? What's it like to be in that zone? It, yeah, that's a good question. I think sometimes you look back and you, it was like you're on autopilot. And I mean that in the way that it just automatically happens. Um, you, you just get in that zone, like you, you're seeing the ball, you know, blokes might be bowling 140 kilometres, but it seems like they're only bowling 100 kilometres. The ball's that little bit bigger. You know exactly where they're going to bowl the ball due to whatever it may be, the field settings, but you just, you, you know exactly, you're two steps ahead of what the bowler like and a really the, clear head? Yeah, like uh, oh, as clear as day, like... You actually you're thinking about the ball, but then you're thinking about all this other stuff in your head. Then you magically just send the ball over the ropes um, without thinking too much about the game. It just, as I said, you're in autopilot, and it's one of the best feelings in the world when you're in that zone. It doesn't happen too often during a season, but and that's the important thing when you do. You make sure you really cash in. And do you try and sort of stay pretty level out there? You know when. Now, when you're really hitting them well, do you just try and sort of rein yourself in a little bit? Yeah, so I, I don't really show a lot of motion, uh, emotion out on the field. And I th- like to think if I'm consistent with my actions, 
my performances will be consistent, um, whether that be on and off the field. It might be, you know, you, if you're going to win, instead of celebrating all night, just have a couple of beers. If you lose, just have a couple of beers as well. Or, or um, if you get a duck, prepare the same way or um, train the same way the next day and keep everything consistent. I think that's been a, uh, one of my strong uh, points uh, throughout my career and Steve uh, Waugh was very big on that just staying level not too high or not yeah, too low go through the highs but get through those lows exactly the same and it's not panic stations if you do have a failure and that's okay but uh, working with someone like Brendan McCullum really really taught me that and I saw that firsthand. when you talk about that ball that went out of the gabba of Sean Tate you know, I, I gave him a wink, that's about it. Like, he didn't really give me much either because we still had a job at hand to do. I think we still needed 80 or 90 runs, and that was the most important thing. Look, we celebrated after the game, but it's, um, you know, while we're out there, there's, there's a job to do, and you, you've always put the team first. So yeah, It looks like you and Brendan McCullum had a lot of fun out there together playing for the Heat. Obviously, he's hung up his boots now, but were they some of your best times batting? Yeah, I think so. Um, there was a time out at the Gabba, and then there was a time over in Perth. I think it was on. I think it was on. Might have been on Boxing Day. It was an af- afternoon one. game, and you know, I, I I hit eleven sixes, or I got ninety eight off forty odd balls, and he got he got fifty off about twenty eight. 30 balls and I was calling him the Matt Renshaw when <laughs> when he was called the turtle at the time so um, you know they're, they're the moments that you never forget and that's the reason why I play the game because look obviously that day I, I had success but on other days um, you know whether it is a Matty Renshaw or Brendan McCullum you've got to make sure you celebrate your teammates success because as I said you, you don't have you have more bad days than good in, in the game of cricket I believe. Well, in my career, certainly. Uh, <laughs> you spoke about that 98, and I was looking through your record. You've only made one T20 century. Did you feel like that's something you want to improve a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, that 98 was, was not out. And what, what actually happened was I, was, I, was, I saw 98. No, I saw 98 or whatever it was. I was on 92, then hit a six, and I went down to Baz. I said, mate, I'm just going to look to dink a two into mid-wicket. He goes, bro, the game's over. <laughs> so but we talk about that scoreboard at the Wacker. They don't have the electronic score. They've got the old Wacker scoreboard. And I, I didn't work out. There's a lot the of numbers going you, on. Yeah. So, um, there you was, would have needed like a four yeah, and then another four yeah, or six. Yeah, exactly. And then you get 100. So I, I messed that one up. And then I had an opportunity, one of my first games for the Kolkata Night Riders. I think I got 94 not out. And we chased down 180, uh, none down myself and got him getting beer. So I'd like to think I would have kicked on and got hundreds there. But, you know, hundreds are good. But it doesn't matter if you, only, if you get 99 or 98 because it's only one run, one extra run for the team. So going back to that team first mentality is very important. Yeah, good attitude. Uh, You've had a lot of troubles with injuries. I, I want to just talk a little bit about that because I think it's really interesting what you're doing with your sort of business ventures and listeners out there. Chris and I have got a lot to talk about his career and some of his off-field activities, what he's doing in the off-season. But you've had a real battle with your shoulder. I guess where are we now with your shoulder? Yeah, it's um, it's been a roller coaster probably four years, I reckon. I've had two reconstructions on my left side and I probably need one on my right side uh, when the time's right but at the moment it's probably been the strongest I've felt in 18 months so right. um, fingers crossed touch wood give me yeah yeah feeling good and look it's it's something that I can't you know afford to you know stop doing the rehab work it's something that's going to have to maintain for the rest of my career because the so moment- is that quite practically a daily thing uh, after every game you're in re- rehab I mean how intense is it yep so it's it's definitely a daily thing and then it's obviously um, recovery is really important so if I have a big game uh, I've batted for a long time or whatever recovery is just as important as the rehab so yeah look in saying that I I've got to look, make sure I look after the rest of my body as well because while I was focusing on uh, my shoulders throughout that period, you know, I tore a couple of hamstrings because I didn't put any focus on my legs. And um, so it's important to keep that whole body strength going. In 2020, you want to be as powerful as you can and make sure you can back up as, uh, as quickly as possible because you've seen the big bash schedule, IPL schedule. They're big, heavy schedules. And people underestimate the travel as well you know, from city to city the, the you know the different hotels you're getting to um you know you're not getting the, the required sleep that you need and different um, routine yeah and it's just um you know on flights is is a pain in the ass as well but we've got to do it so touch wood the, the body's been really good and i'm feeling probably mentally and physically in a better place than what i have been the last four years have you ever tried like yoga or any sort of alternative um remedies 
not really, but I've just started seeing a Pilates teacher, so she's trying to force that on me, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll only do it if there's a men's only non-flexible starting um, or just do it in a in a um, downstairs at home because it's, it's quite embarrassing or intimidating walking into a Pilates studio with a bunch full of women that can turn themselves into pretzels. And you, You're like a fit athlete. Yeah, though, I know. That's you shouldn't the, be embarrassed. That's the thing. Someone a middle-aged podcaster <laughs> like me should be embarrassed. That's the thing, but... Um, yeah, it's something that I've looked at. Um, stretching's a big one. Keeping flexible. Um, I haven't, you know, probably been as have, probably haven't done as much as what I should have in, in the flexibility side of things. But um, I know now it's it's sort of like do or die. Like you've got to do it, otherwise you leave yourself disadvantaged, and and basically you're accountable for your own career. And are you able to dive in the field now, or is that still not happening? No, nah, we're still um, we're still probably not going to dive. I think. You know that's why I've had. That's why I'm feeling good because I haven't thrown my body around, and it's something that it's, I've mentally got over now. It was really hard to start with when the ball would be, you know, 30 centimeters outside my range, and you know, because I'm so competitive, I wanted to get that ball. And and you uh, grow up. That's the way you train your ab- mind. Absolutely. Or you go for it. So the last time I popped my uh, right shoulder out was I was trying to protect my left arm, so I tucked that in and threw the other threw the other arm out and. Um, you know, I was playing for Australia at the time, so I believe you, if you're playing for Australia, you got to do everything you can to, to save a run. But irony is that I, I put the hand out and popped my shoulder out, but I deflected the ball. So instead of saving one, I gave up two. <laughs> so it's a uh, it's a funny game of cricket, but I've just yeah I've learned to stay on my feet, and that's something I talk about keeping my legs strong, keeping uh, mobile, and my agility's got to be next enough, um, you know, next to the best because if because I can't dive, I've got to try and make up that extra meter or two either side. Must be hard sort of having that hanging over you. Um, you know, you've started a business called Playbook Coaching to give you sort of, I guess, a kind of backup as well as your cricket career. I mean, it is literally the situation that you could have one bad day and, and that almost be it. Yeah, it is, and you know, funny enough, I was injured at the time when I, when myself and Kieran Murphy, my business partner, come up with the idea and thinking. Obviously, you want you got to think life after cricket from a you know, personal point of view and be a little bit selfish that way. But then I thought, how can I implement that in keeping kids in sport? Um, I got given a lot of opportunities when I was a kid to be coached by some of the the state's best, Australia's best, and the world's best um, athletes, and. I was thinking, how could how could I implement that and give kids the opportunity that don't have the same opportunities as what I did? And not only talking in Brisbane, we're talking you know country regions all around Australia. And um, to me, I get a real kick out of that. I do a lot of um, you know one-on-one coaching, and it's no better feeling than seeing a kid spending an hour or a couple of sessions with him, than going out and hitting his first fifty or his first hundred or hitting his first six or what, or even just changing positions in the batting order. Like that's a pretty cool uh, reward for especially to give back to the game of cricket in, in, in my sense. Yeah, and I think what you've done in the Big Bash, though, I've noticed has inspired a whole generation of young people out there to go and be Chris Lind and smack the ball a million miles. <laughs> I see uh, on your rent-a-coach, you've got a, a you've got Matt Renshaw, $300 an hour. Yeah. Are you going to have to adjust that down with his form? <laughs> That's true, or his attitude. <laughs> but, um, no, look, the beauty, the beauty is the coaches get to name their own price, their own time, their own availability, which is, which is awesome because – Look, I, I do it for mainly birthday experiences. Um, not a lot of specific one-on-one coaches because I'd I'd like to spend more time with the with the kids when I'm home. But because I'm travelling so much, it just makes that a little bit harder. So it's more a one-off experience. But you know, the, it's more the parents getting into it. I mean, it's pretty funny because obviously me being twenty twenty based, the parents don't really uh, see eye to eye with that. But then when they want their son to be coached, they go, oh, I love T20. So <laughs> it's, um, it's, funny. it's a funny world we live in. But as I said, it's trying to give back to the game because I've always said the, the game of cricket owes me nothing. I owe the game of cricket everything. It's a very good sentiment. Well, you, know, you speak about being a T20 specialist, but you've got a phenomenal first-class average in the mid-40s, a high score of 250. You made a century in just his second first-class game. Do you, do you have that tinge of sort of, I don't know if regret's the word, but that your shoulder hasn't been able to cope with it and you haven't been able to give it a real crack at test level? Because I noticed even sort of when Smith and Warner were banned was the first time I'd ever heard you sort of say, maybe I could play test cricket. Yeah. So how, how do you feel about it? Yeah, look, obviously I'm an R all the time, but 
Yes, the shoulders played a role in it. Probably played a big role because I I believe, you know, if I have a big day fielding or a long day batting and, and I can't lift my arm the next day, it's there's no worse feeling in the world than only being able to walk out with 10 players and I'm sitting on the sidelines days two, three, four and five. So for me, letting down your teammates during the game is a big no-no. And I've found a, a path that not too many cricketers have taken, I guess, before you know under 30 uh you know i've sort of done that when i was 27 and blokes only do it like currently shane watson and guys like that go on the 2020 circuit i've just found a niche there the whole west indies team yeah the whole west indies team uh bash brother baz mccallum and saying that he's like him and what i've had outstanding test careers so they've got the runs on the board but i've just found a niche that i've really enjoyed and really suited my game and allowed me to to get into opportunities like playbook back home and I do travel a fair bit but I believe I probably am home you know more than uh, about six months of the year on and off which which really Pretty excites for me a cricketer. yeah like you look at the you look at the world cup and the, the ashes boys at the moment they've been away they'll be away for six months on the road so that's quite challenging but yeah I've just found the the niche of um 2020 franchise cricket with tournaments popping up all over the world that that just really excites me I get to travel the world in shorter stints I've haven't written off well basically I haven't written off test cricket but it's something that um you know as well if I'm to get there there's a lot of work to do and one is a body but I'm really excited about the depth of Australian cricket at the moment because I feel like we're getting back to the depth of of the heyday era that was 10 years ago did you get any sort of uh, blowback within the cricket community when you started to push away from uh, a traditional cricket career? What about in Queensland cricket or even around the traps nationally? Yeah, copped, copped a little bit of criticism. You know, it was I suppose it was frowned upon from the high performance group in, in Cricket Australia because not many, as I said, not many people have done it. Did Pat my... Howard say anything? Uh, I can't recall anything in particular, but he was always wanting me to, you know, be the best player I can in, in every format I can, and um, I guess that's his that's his role yeah, to do that. Um, that's a noble thing for anybody, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So nothing wrong with that. Um, and he obviously saw the potential, and he read back those stats to me. And look, I really enjoyed Sheffield Shield Creek, but I suppose I probably lost a little bit of it when they changed the wickets to basically flat roads, and to me. It, not saying it was easy or anything like that, but I didn't enjoy that brand of cricket that we were producing. Um, you know, 500 plays 400, plays 400, plays a draw. So a lot of those Sheffield Shield games were, were that. Uh, they're a little bit different now with the Dukes ball and that's moving around and, and that's great, but I've, I feel like I've sort of passed that and made my decision. And one thing about making that decision is I've got to own it. So that's what I'm doing now and I think that's really important because the moment you backpedal and people just see right through you. Yeah, well... It's interesting what you said about the wickets. It's almost the Sheffield Shield now has gone the other way, that the Dukes ball playing on suburban grounds, it's a bit of a lottery. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been around. I played the JLT Cup last year and really enjoyed that. They were a good bunch of guys, and Wade Seckham's done a good job there. But I saw you playing at uh, Dremoyne. Yeah, almost got a ton there. Yeah, yeah, I did that day actually. Yeah, yeah against New South. Yeah, um, you know, and, and that's that's a good tournament. But it was great. You were the leading run scorer for the Queenslanders <laughs> last year, yeah. and then they didn't give you a contract this year. Oh, it's a little bit different that contract situation. Okay. It's um, they pay you though, don't they? Well, so the what, the reason why I didn't take a contract is because obviously we had Joe Burns and Matty Renshaw coming back from Cricket Australia contracts, and there's a way you can get upgraded by playing um, a certain amount of games. So basically you need 12 points to get an upgrade and one day is worth two points. So I can go through that upgrade system without taking any money out of the salary cap. Therefore, I can give a young young guy, a rookie, a, a contract and he can be around the guys, slog it out in the preseason, get that experience training with the guys. You can just rock up, play <laughs> yeah. six games, yeah. score a couple of tons. Yeah, but so I'm, not, I'm giving that – I basically wanted to give that – don't want to miss out on giving that kid an opportunity to be around the Queensland Bulls guy. He mightn't play, but that's 12, 12 months of exposure he's getting in that group, facing the guys in the nets, fielding. And stuff you don't need. Yeah, and, and that also allows me to give um, you know, play my 2020 tournaments, which, which I, I think is pretty cool. Yeah, sounds fun. <laughs> um, so this World Cup, you were sort of in the frame there for Australia's World Cup squad and then slipped out during the summer. Now is your focus on the 2020 World Cup in Australia next year? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's probably, that'll probably, you know, that is a priority for me. That is a goal to play the, the T20 2020 World Cup. And yeah, that's why my focus is, is purely on the shorter formats. Um, whether or not I play the JLT Cup this year, I'm not sure because the World Cup's already, the 50 over World Cup is, is nearly complete. And yeah, there's, there's, you know, as I said, there's the opportunities for young guys to build for the next World Cup in that um, format of the game. But yeah, I'd love to be a part of the T20 World Cup. Obviously, my results, the scores were mixed over the, over the summer in the shorter format. But um, I'm looking, I hit the ball well in the IPL, which was my last tournament. And then I'm looking to build on that over the next couple of tournaments and, and obviously try and dominate the Big Bash. Um, like I did a couple of years ago. and Put you right in the frame for the T20 World Cup. What about Justin Langer? I heard you say to news.com.au that Langer's <clears throat> approach really wanted the team to focus on knowing themselves and becoming the best team they could and blocking out the outside noise. Yeah. Did, did Langer's messages resonate with you and, and what sort of direction has he given you? Has he told you what he wants to see from you? Yeah, he's pretty clear in his message. He's obviously a, a hard-nosed coach and... Um, you know, very proud coach at that as well, and I've got a lot of respect for the man. And he just points out the simple messages, like just don't give the selectors selectors uh, a reason for them not to pick you. It's pretty clear to me. Just bang down the door with runs. And I've always said, if you know, I get to play cricket around the world, twenty twenty or a big bash or whoever it may be, and you play for Australia, that's a bonus. So um, if I get dropped from a team or whatever it may be, the Australian side, I'm. Look, it hurts a little bit, but it's not the end of the world. I still get to play cricket and still get to do something that I love. So the, the simple message is there. And basically, a cricket is a stats game. And so the, the stats are on the board. If you got them, you get picked. If not, then you've got nothing to whinge about. So that's pretty clear for me. But, yeah, it's just get in, work hard. Um, you know, the results don't, you know, they happen for a reason, those results. And... Um, I'll just be looking to put the head down and, and try and, as I said, bang the door down. And if, it, if I get picked, I get picked. If not, it's it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it should should suit you this T Twenty World Cup home ground. Yeah, hard abso- absolutely. And, and growing up, I've always been an Australian cricket fan. Got, I got the opportunity to play for the Australian cricket team, and, and you know, post cricket, I'll always be a Australian cricket fan. So whether I get picked or not, that's great. But I'll always be a fan. That's good. Some some cricketers <clears> actually <throat> don't watch a lot of cricket when they're they're not playing, which mm. which I guess is. I understand, but I, I still think it's strange. Yeah, I, I guess I go through patches of watching cricket. Sometimes it's good to just get away from the game, freshen up, and go go for a surf, go play golf, whatever it may be. Or other times I want to watch it every night because I'm so into it. Probably relate to a bit like um, the, watching The Bachelor or something like that. You, you watch one episode and you add an up, or you watch one you get hooked, sort of thing. So, yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, it's a it's a good journey. Yeah. So uh, I, so from one coach to another. From my understanding, I think you and your new Brisbane Heat coach, Darren Lehman, will get on pretty well. How has it been so far? <laughs> what makes you say that? Well, I just think I can see the both of you, you know, over a quiet beverage planning what's going to happen for Brisbane Heat. Yeah, it's funny because the first time I met Buff when he coached Queensland, uh, I don't know, how, however many years ago that was, uh, I met him, it was on a Monday morning, I met him at the McDonald's at Albion <laughs> down the road from training. So that probably sums him up. Yeah, it sums it up. It just he made he's such a laid back character. Obviously, you know he's not an idiot. He's been around the block. He he knows if you're not doing the work, even though um, you know he's got people that talk to him. So he knows what's going on uh, on and off the field. He's a he's a relaxed character. As he, he he taught me, basically the sun will come up tomorrow if anything bad happens uh, on the cricket field. That's okay. Life goes on. So. Um, he brings what he does do is gel the group together really closely, and I think to me, I've never seen you know a team win a tournament that have been so far away off the field. So having that on uh, off the field gelling nice and tight is, is something really important to him. And um, every team that he's won championships with is, has done that. He's uh, mate. We have a laugh. We have the music on in our net sessions, things like that. It's it's all about having fun. If we're having fun, we're playing our best cricket. It's a great landing spot for Darren after a really big uh, four or five years as coach of the Aussie side. It was, you know, draining and all those type of things. I think this is a great spot for him. And I think he'll be great for the competition. I think the big bash, it doesn't just need star players, but having a big name coach like Darren Lehman, I think it's great for the competition. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've seen a lot of um, overseas coaches come into the frame of Big Bash as well, and they've been great. So having someone of Darren's calibre 
be at the helm of the Brisbane Heat is, is pretty cool. And he's not only a good coach, he's a good personality as well. And I think that's what the Big Bash was all about. Yeah. Christmas time, school holidays, like, having a few laughs, having a, having, you know, have a beer, train hard, um, interact with the fans. Um, I think that's so important. As I said, Big Bash is just more than cricket to me. There's that off-field entertainment, the fireworks, the dances, uh, everything going on. But seeing the dynamic in the in the audience change from that um, traditional test match at the Gabba, um, older crowd. Now you've got young kids. You know the female cricketers are really getting around Big Bash, and the it's good to the see. The in a heat game is electric. I well, mean, it is. Electric, like oh, my my female friends are like, oh, we got to go to this cricket game. I'm like, oh, you never been? They're like, no, I went the other night and it's amazing. We can't wait. It's like a footy match. It's all it's all happening. So to to hear people that don't even know what an LBW is um, go to a big bash game and have a night of their life is, is pretty cool. Don't try explaining. It. <laughs> never come back. Yeah, it's a nightmare trying to. Uh, the worst thing is is five overs in. Are you winning? <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. Um, <clears throat> From the Big Bash last summer, from the outside, it seemed to have a little bit of a down year. Uh, obviously, they expanded the length of the competition. It went longer. Uh, the crowds were down. From a player's point of view, did it did it feel a little bit down? Yeah, I, I expressed some strong opinions last year. I thought the competition was way too long. And I think the there's too many games as well. Um, and I'm not just saying that because it's not about the salary cap or whatever. It's about leaving the fans wanting more for next year. And I felt the fans felt like they had their dose of Big Bash um, and there was still two weeks left. You know, they went to the three-quarters way through the season, the one-day series start, and then the Aussie T20 start, and you lose players here and there. Then the quality of games are dropping. And then a week later is the Big Bash finals and people think it's over and it's still going. So for me, you've got to want the fans wanting more for the following year. So speaking to everyone, they're like, oh, it's still going. Like, we can't wait for footy season. You, you can't have that mentality. And from a from a you know player travelling around, it, it's not too bad because you don't mind the break, but it's... You know, it's not all about the players. You want the fans to be... What about the standard, though? Because even it seemed like because of the length of the competition, there weren't as many sort of quality imports and the standard was just a bit down. Yeah. From when you were batting, did you think... Well, I guess you don't, but did, did it feel a bit down? Yeah, I think so. And I think the the ground for venues that we played at um, played a part in that. We played a couple of games at, at Adelaide Stadiums, not really at first-class cricket grounds. And to me, obviously, the pitches aren't going to have the quality that we're after and therefore there's nothing wrong with low scoring games but the actual um, conditions of the pitch were very consistent so as a player you, you know it's not as they're not wickets you want to play on especially in a 2020 game and you, you need know, the ball coming onto the bat yeah absolutely absolutely and you know I'm all for expanding the game and, and playing in different areas um, of Australia but you know the quality of the pitches and facilities have to be there because otherwise you're not going to get that entertainment factor that that we all want. Yeah, and it affects the TV <clears throat> spectacle. Yeah, uh, I guess the only thing they can do for the next few years is try and condense the games a little bit more and not have the breaks and maybe have <coughs> some more double headers and things so the competition doesn't go on as long. Yeah, um, and maybe do something with the finals. Do you feel that the the winner of the comp- the minor premiers need to get a second chance or something? Yeah, I think so. I think if you if you finish first, you've definitely got to have a second chance. More double headers, that's a no-brainer. But I would love to see the Australian cricketers be available for the whole of the Big Bash. Well, sorry, when I say the Australian cricketers, the one day in 2020 players. Yeah, you're going to have your test players because that's a, we need that. So guys like Steve Smith, Dave Warner, the guys that play all three formats will struggle to play the Big Bash. Um, but when... When those guys in the one day set up and you're losing guys like Glenn Maxwell and Marcus Stoinis to Australian duties, it's, it weakens the competition and that's what the fans want to see. So, um, yes, you want to play for Australia, but I guess it's just up to the people above to try and sort out the schedule where it can happen both ways. Well, you see it from both sides. You play in the IPL <coughs> where the BCCI are belligerent that yeah. all their best players will play. And, and it just does such a good thing for the competition because... You put the best Indian players with a couple of imports in every team and all of a sudden there's some really ding-dong battles there. And, and that's why the IPL will always be the number one 2020 comp in the world, yeah. um, despite the fact that there's you know a lot more money involved. I think having four overseas 
well, it's a it's a byproduct of the salary cap having four overseas and the best players, but they've locked in that window for only the Indian players and no international cricket, and that's why it's um, yeah, I believe the, the best in the world. Yeah, I agree. Australia needs to do something like that. Maybe lock in a window like after the <coughs> Sydney Test or something, and just even that last sort of three or four weeks of the competition have, as you say, most of the Aussie players available. Yeah. So look, if some imports decide not to come, at least you've got our best cricketers yeah. on show. Yeah, absolutely, and and. and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but I follow cricket really closely. Yeah. And you still have some players in a big backside who you don't really know. They've just stepped up from a first-grade game, which, you know, great for them, but yeah. that's not going to excite the crowds as much as the big stars. Yeah, you're right. So now they're chipping away, and I'm sure the guys uh, with the power to do that will work it out. But I just think I don't want – I just hope they don't get too greedy. Um, you know, I, I can't see as – expanding to another team like adding a team because then that'll weaken the the quality of of the cricket and then the the amount of games and the length of time is is huge so as i said you want to leave the fans wanting more um because there's nothing worse than them sort of shrugging the shoulders rolling the eyeballs and saying can't wait for footy season to start yeah exactly all right listeners we're going to take a very (coughs) quick break in the cricket unfiltered podcast and i'll i'll be back with chris lynn to ask him all about playing all around the world and some of the ashes contenders just want to remind you to keep up with all the news on social media you can go to at Oz Cricket Pod, AUS Cricket Pod, that's on Twitter and Instagram, or you can go to at News Corp Cricket on Twitter and Instagram for all the Ashes news. All right, coming up after the break, more of Chris Lit. Machine Watson has picked up the most wickets for the Zooks. Liddy! It's gone all the way. Here on maximum, another one. Just a little flick from Chris Lynn. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel. I'm here with Chris Lynn. And that was uh, Chris Lynn playing in the CPL, the Caribbean Premier League, and hitting Shane Watson for a massive six. You must run into Shane Watson in your travels a lot. Absolutely. It's... um... It's funny because I never see him in Australia, obviously, besides the Big Bash when he was playing. But, yeah, more so in the Caribbean, IPL or whatever other tournaments we're playing in. But uh, I, I love Watto. He's such a competitor. Just goes to show that um, age is just a number for him. And, obviously, he's, he's had a, a fair amount of setbacks with his body early doors. So, hopefully, um, you know, I can... Well, he motivates me to keep going as well because, as I said, he he was in and out of the Australian lineup with with his back and hamstrings and whatever it was. And yeah, at about um, your age, he he was in the same position as you, where it was almost a day to day prospect. Yeah, and then he's still playing ten years later. And then he got into the yoga and the stretching, so maybe that, that's a big up for Bloody me. Just coming, Chris. <laughs> uh, next big bash, I'm going to see you with your yoga pants on and the, the yoga mat on the outfield yeah, yeah. before a game. <laughs> I'll be one of the break dancers. You're very zen. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, look, uh, just to have a bit of chat about some of the Ashes contenders that you play with. Uh, the Australia A's taking on Australia this week, and uh, the squad's been announced. There's three Queenslanders there Joe Burns, Manus Lobashane, and Michael Nisa. So let's start with the, fir- the last one first, Michael Nisa. He's a player that's been on a couple of Aussie tours, but he's not particularly well known around the traps. Yeah. You know, with. Marcus Stoinis having a bit of a down World Cup. You've really got Mitchell Marsh and Michael Nisa as two all-rounders that could challenge for an, an Aussie spot. What, tell us a little bit about Ness. Ness, one of the nicest blokes I've ever met. You know, he's, he's originally South African. He's come over to the Gold Coast, found, his, found a nice spot there. And I think what will help him uh, be selected on this tour is swinging the ball. He's had an unbelievable Sheffield Shield in the last two years with the Dukes ball and obviously with, with the Ashes being played with the Dukes. It um, obviously lands in his favour uh, quite heavily. Um, he's got a massive in-swinger to the right-hander and, and can swing the ball away, away at a consistent you know, 135, 140-kilometre-hour pace. So That's handy. Um, and then obviously batting, he's chipped in with some handy runs for Queensland over the last 12, 18 months as well. So it'll, it'll just be... You know, who's available, I guess. With Is he the, a power hitter, by the way? Uh, he's a stroke player, yeah. 
you know, once you'd like to think once a top order do their job, he's a guy that can come in at that number seven and, and put on 50 runs off, off a runner ball and change the momentum of the innings just when England are starting to think they, they've got momentum back. Nessa can come in, play a few shots and, and swing shift back that momentum Australia's way. So I think he's a... He's, he's, I'm not going to say a certainty, but he's up there. Uh, in, he's probably in my top 15 to make the final cut of the Ashes. So Michael Nisa. Now the other one, a couple of others, Joe Burns. Yeah. Now, I have a bit of a problem with this, Chris. <laughs> For some reason. Just Joe or? <laughs> no, I love Joe. And he's played 16 tests and made four centuries. One of them two, two, three years ago that helped Australia become the number one test side in the world. But he seems to be the first player dropped. Like, I, I don't understand. You know, 16 tests, four centuries is not yeah. a bad start. And his last uh, test, he scored 180, yeah, I think. I just think he's a lock for the Ashes. Yeah. So it's a funny one because, you know, they brought Petey Hanscom into the World Cup um, last week and he's had the runs on the board, had some great series against India, then obviously Dubai, Pakistan. Um, so he got first crack. And Matthew Wade scoring plenty of runs but didn't get a crack. And I find that weird because if Burnsy doesn't get picked in the Ashes off coming off the back of 180 in his last test, then that selection policy is very inconsistent. Yeah. Um, what do you do as a batsman? Exactly. He scored 100 last week for the Australia A, so he's, he's on the right path. Yes, he had a little fatigue, um, little period there, but it got himself right. And as I said, he's back on back scoring runs in, in the best way, shape and form that he can. So... Seems like a ripping bloke. I've had him on the podcast a couple of times. Yeah, he's a little bit left of centre. Yeah, he's designing a, clothes in his spare time. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, he eats a lot of carrots because it helps his eyes, oysters, and all this. Like he's got a lot of theories, but you know he's. A, <laughs> but oysters. yeah, all Is that, that for cricket. <laughs> mental. Mental. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, Burn, no Burns is great. He works as hard as anyone. And as I said, he's put the runs on the board. He's played sixteen testing. He's got four hundreds now. Mm. Played a lot in England as well, which helps with the swinging ball. And, you know, he'd have to be, you know, to me, he has to play. Yeah. Um, I even think if you don't open with him, he could bat at five or six. Well, that's where he started his test career um, and did well against the Indians. And, you know, he played that role if, if we need a quick runs. And, and he's also got the, you know, good technique if we are in a bit of strife early to come in and play as if, you know, you are opening the batting. So... Um, he can play a number of roles. He's he's a good slips fieldsman. He he and he brings a a different energy to the team. But the boys really enjoy it. I think him and Warner are a good combo. Uh, the other one is uh, other Queensland teammate is Manus Lobashain. I interviewed him a few weeks ago, and he came across as a very mature person. Like you know, he's he seems quite together. Yeah, it's uh, so so Manus is he's a worker. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I don't, I don't think he was the most naturally gifted player, but he's just worked his ass off so hard, and uh, Justin Langer can see that. And he's reaped, he's reaped the, the rewards. He's he's dominated Sheffield Shield the last couple of seasons, and he's gone over and scored a thousand plus runs for uh, I think it's Glamorgan yep. this year in in county cricket. And you know, for someone to go to England, that I, I'm not sure if he's been there before, but he hasn't definitely hasn't played county cricket before. So for him to go over first year and do what he's done is pretty impressive. And again, his bowling's been exceptional. He's got a couple of wickets when uh, the boys are in Dubai. You know, he's he's only just started out in his Test career, and I think those tests that he did play will be put him in really good stead for the Ashes if he gets selected. He seems like quite a balanced individual. I spoke to him a bit about his religious beliefs, and <clears throat> you know, he does have a, a sort of life away from cricket as well which is important yeah absolutely and i guess he just gives himself the best advantage to represent australia and um you know he leaves no stone unturned he he is a little bit different in his theories but again <laughs> I'm, I'm yet to meet a guy to play for australia who who is straight down the line or textbook um you know they obviously get there for a reason and that works for them so, Sometimes you just got to stick to your own game, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. But that's what I was saying before, going back to the depth that we've got. There's no right and wrong answer when you pick these guys. And look, it's a good problem to have to leave a good player out, whether it be Marnus, Joey Burns or, or um, someone else. Like you look back when Martin Love couldn't make the Australian team, Darren Lehman couldn't make it, Brad Hodge couldn't make it, you know, and they're, they're putting 1,000 run years back to back to back. So that's pretty impressive stuff, and they've got and they've got a handful of games between them. It's changed a lot in the last year, year ago. Yeah, it has. Yeah, crisis, but can't knock uh, JL's uh, 
method in getting the team back together. All right, so Chris, let's end this with a bit of a chat about your world travels because you can give a wonderful insight into most of the <laughs> T20 competitions around the world. You've got so you're off to playing Canada now for the GT20. You played in that last year? No. So, so that was Smith and Warner with that. Smith and Warner played in that last year, so I'm looking forward. I've never been to Toronto before, and obviously the summertime over there, and I love, you know, I just chase the sun, chase summer. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's a three-week tournament. And then um, – Who are you I, playing for? Uh, the Winnipeg Hawks. Hawks, yeah, Winnipeg. So Davey Warner actually played from last year, so he texted me. He said he got big shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited, and it's a second year tournament. Um, it's going strength to strength, and yeah, come home for three weeks after that. Then I'm off to the new Euro T Euro T20 Slam. Uh, I'm actually not sure who I'm playing with. I think the draft is in about six days' time. Okay. So. Well, that's going to be exciting. And you've previously played in the Caribbean Premier League. <coughs> yep. Is that as fun as it looks? Absolutely. So first year in the uh, CPL, I played with Jamaica under Chris Gale. Um, second year, I was at Guyana, which is actually in South America, which is quite funny. Mm. But And then had a really good year there. And I actually think that year on the – I can't remember what the stadium's called, but in Guyana, this, the wicket spins a lot. So I think that's where I really improved my – Park? That's in Kits, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, – So that helped you play spin? Yeah, yeah. Just learn to trade against spin. I basically had – no option to well, it's either train hard and get better or, or fail. So I feel that's where my game went to a new level with spin, and um, that's something I needed to do if I wanted to play cricket around the world in different conditions. So because it happened in the IPL, they really started to target you with the spinners. Yeah, and that, and that was a big challenge for you. Yeah, it was. Like obviously, the difference between my scoring rates were, were you know, the extremities were huge. But so it was as I said, you either train hard, get better, or, or fail. So, and what did you identify as a way of getting better? Was it picking the right ball to hit, or what was it? Um, getting off strike? Yeah, it was probably getting off strike. So, what how I felt was if I went to attack a spinner, I felt more vulnerable then. So it was putting the ego away and then just steering the ship and getting down the other end um, and letting the local player, who's obviously. Uh, brought up in these conditions to, to take control. But as soon as the overseas fast bowler come on, I was licking my lips. So it's um, yeah, it's a good learning curve. And as I said, putting the ego away is, is huge in, in those con- um, those conditions. And then the third year, I was at, at a year off, and I went to Trinbago Knight Riders. And so Trinbago Knight Riders are owned by the Kolkata Knight Riders, which... Your IPL is, club? Yeah, which is... Um, I've been at Kolkata for the last six years, so it was basically a second home. Uh, for me over in Kolkata and then that was such a smooth transition where I got to play with Bash brother Baz McCullum again for, for Trinidad so it's um, what yeah. an experience so firstly Chris Gale is he as fun <clears throat> as he comes across yeah he's a legend so there's obviously TV Chris Gale um, and then there's behind TV Chris Gale so he's putting up his front for the TV that's his personality that's his brand so I've got absolutely no issue with that and then off off the field he's first bloke to go to the bar grab your beer ask how your day is going it's not all a one-way street with him so people get a little bit misled by him and because he's such a big person people actually get intimidated by his stature but you know he's a, he's a big teddy bear at heart <laughs> he looked like a teddy bear during the world cup with <laughs> bowling and everything yeah. um you spoke about the IPL, so I don't know if you saw this, but there was a, a Netflix documentary about the Mumbai Indians called Cricket Fever. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah, watched it. Well, not every episode, not, but um, so you, you know what I'm talking about yeah. behind the scenes look of the Indians. And I was surprised at a lot of things, but the, the intense pressure to succeed in the IPL and the sort of uh, the caravan that follows these IPL clubs around. What's it like playing for KKR? Well, if you if you think the big bash is big or intense, times that by twenty, I reckon in Kolkata, wow. it's, it's the big bash on steroids, and obviously because there's there's a lot of sports in Australia, so the I suppose we're all spread out amongst all the sports. Whereas in India, there's only a handful of sports, so cricket is obviously one of them, and it's it's crazy. You go, you know, you've got to. T- take police cars everywhere you go if you go to the shops or uh, even to training there's you're surrounded by the army yeah, like you must be the superstar there yeah walking down and, the street. and it's hard to 
uh, hard to fathom because you just want to go get a bite to eat and there's there's a hundred kids every time you leave your hotel door, your room. And that's the and opposite of a Queenslander. <laughs> Absolutely. Because a Queenslander will ignore you at the pub just, just to just to, to yeah, do it. Yeah, just just because of that. Till the poppy syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because after after a game and say you don't do so well, you want you want to leave your room and just go down to the buffet, have your have your, your coffee, your, your bacon and eggs, and just relax, just warm into the day, then go for, do your recovery. But you're getting hassled by kids, and look, it, it's frustrating, it's mentally challenging, but at the end of the day, we are here because of those kids, and you've yeah, you've got to you've got to embrace that really quickly because. If you hate it, that six weeks feels like six months, and then that, then it's a hard slog. So, Brad Hogg taught me that he's such a happy character. You got to embrace that culture, otherwise, I said it's, it's it can be painful at You're times. But, it. but and look, they the kids and they they don't they don't use manners over there, but they don't know any different. So you can't get angry at them. As I said, they're they're just passionate. They want to be around you. They want to touch you. They want your autograph. They want your photo. Um, and as I said, you, you you've got to embrace that because that's well, that's all part of it over there and yeah it's 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 pretty rewarding as well like you you don't get as you said you don't get that in queensland yeah. but um it is different like but, a rock star for yeah. six weeks of the year but it, it's just an eye-opener and you just appreciate the game that you're in and and the world that you're in as well i'm planning on heading over to the ipl next <coughs> year to uh for a couple of weeks so to watch many of the games i've never yeah. been to india or the ipl so mm-hmm. that's a little excursion for cricket unfiltered what about the pressure to succeed in the tournament? That's one thing that came across to me in that Mumbai Indians documentary. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of money and a lot of pressure and making the finals is just – Yeah. Every club is obsessed with doing that. Yeah, money's huge. Pressure's even huge. The expectation to win and perform is next level. And I'll give you a tip. If you score under 20, I wouldn't check your social media the next day. <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> it, it can be quite brutal, but – that's as I said. That's the world you live in. With with that money comes expectation, and I suppose that's the challenge that gets me up in the morning and motivated to do well. As I said, I've been at Kolkata for the last six years now, and, and that's a second family to me. And they've been they've been awesome in the sense that you watch that cricket fever, and the owners can get a bit spiteful after losing a game. That's one thing I can assure you at Kolkata. I mean, we've got Shahrukh Khan, who's the number one Bollywood actor, yep. as a boss, and he just said look don't worry about it we'll just get him next game so he as a player that's so comforting knowing that it's he's not going to rip our heads off or, or you know give us the ass and send us home for losing a game of cricket so having that you know comfort and you know our support staff were great we had Jacques Callis as head coach who's, who's a, I believe the world's greatest cricketer this earth seen and Simon Cadditch assistant coach so to have those guys give you that comfort to succeed as best as possible is 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 very different to what we saw on Cricket Fever. Yeah, sounds different. So IPL, CPL, GT20, Euro T20, have I missed any out? Uh, there's a T10 comp. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you played in that nah, one? No, so I'm, I'm hoping to get picked up on the draft there. That's in, I think they've just signed five years. It's, it's in Ab- Emirates T20, T10? Uh, I Do- think so, Dubai or Abu Dhabi yeah. T10. So long time that one, 10 days over in Abu Dhabi. You play every day and... It's something different again, but that'll probably give me a nice little lead up towards a big bash after Canada Euro T10 straight into big bash. There's some huge scores in that T10, so you'll have some fun. Yeah, I think I saw 175 last year from one of the teams, and yeah, look, it's it's all part of that um, circuit that I've put my hand up to be involved with, and um, also the networking and the mates that you get to you know meet around the world is pretty yeah. special. There's you know, some of the, the Indians, the Pakistanis, Sri Lankans, some of the nicest blokes I've met, and to, for them to welcome me into their environment is pretty special, and that's that's the beauty of playing a cricket around the world. Yeah. What about the money? Do, <clears throat> do, do, you know, you're earning good money playing in all these comps. How much, um, you know, management do you put into that? How, how much, you know, how important that is that to you? Oh, I think it's very important. So I've had my business partner, Kieran Murphy, you know, helped me along the way since I was, I think, 18 years old, and that's the best money I've ever spent is for him to look after my money. It might sound a bit dumb, but it's it's something that can easily get away from you. We've seen a lot of guys had successful careers and ended up, you know, basically with nothing. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I like to look after my friends and family. That's very important, but um, ticking a lot of boxes 
and just being smart and, and having common sense is something that you know, I pride myself on instead of going out and wasting the whole heap. Or because it's or, hard as a young man who all of a sudden <clears throat> starts earning a lot of money. It's very easy to spend it all at the pub, do whatever, yeah. you know, buy flash cars, and then all yeah. of a sudden, at the end of your career, there's nothing left for you. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I do like my toys and whatnot, but I make sure all the boxes are ticked first. Um, and and you and everyone's different with their goals, what they want to achieve, and what they want to get out of by the time they retire um, what's some of the fun stuff you like to spend money on uh well i love i love horse racing i, I do i do like cars do you uh, own any horses uh yeah i own uh six horses not yeah. not all our at all syndicates so it's obviously syndicate with my mates as well so that's another enjoyment factor that it's pretty pretty cool feeling seeing yeah. the horse run down the straight and if it wins it's it's, it's even better but it's something that i suppose connected me with brendan mccullum as well yeah, I'm having that mutual. Uh, we've got that criteria of having a beer, hitting sixes, and having a punt. So that's that's uh, <laughs> that's the criteria for that's the, the bash secret brother. ingredient. Yeah. Being the bash brother. Yeah. But, What's, so Maxi Bryant wants to get in on opening the batting with you next year. Is he going to have to take up all these hobbies? Well, there's a slot there because Bash uh, yeah, Brendan's gone. done. So you never know. But yeah, just going back to to where you're spending your money. I just. Where, where, wherever you need to wherever you feel you're comfortable but I, I really enjoy property so that's something that's never going to decrease in value um, Benny Cutting from Queensland's into property yeah as well. loves his property loves his cars but um, yeah it's it's something just being smart as I said there's a lot of people that have wasted opportunities and, and, and credit to those people that have helped me out along the way not making sure I don't make the same mistakes that they do I think it's very important so when I get the opportunity to help out guys like Max Bryant just coming through is, is pretty as I said rewarding but making sure they, they make the same mistakes I did it's a very mature approach and I guess to end this little chat, Chris, you've been. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You know, you're 29 years old. You're sort of in the peak of what is many batting careers. I mean, you're hitting the <laughs> form of this is when most bats really hit their peak. So, what are you sort of um, looking at over the next couple of years? Well, first and foremost, I'd be I'd like to be injury free because I've missed a lot of cricket the last couple of years. You know, big injuries. I don't mind if you get a little niggle here and there. Um, you actually freshen up when you when that happens. But it's but, missing a whole year. Yeah, right? half a year. I think I went three seasons in a row where I missed the back half of the year, like six months of cricket. So injury free would be nice. Uh, the T20 World Cup is is a goal, but as I said earlier, if I don't, that's okay. And and I'd love to win a another Brisbane Heat title. Well, I'd like to win any t- any title that I play with, but I think we're due. And I'd, being captain of that team is is very important to me. And Obviously, just just winning at home is, is very special. As much as I'd love to win the the IPL and all those other tournaments, I think being captain of a team is just that little bit more your hometown. Yeah, just a little bit more closer to, to home. What about the captaincy? How have you enjoyed that extra responsibility, and and what have you learnt? Um, I've I've really enjoyed it. I've I've found it's challenged me uh, mentally especially with the the more games and the longer season and then obviously the more scrutiny you get if you're not winning and then on top of that the the media commitments and just trying to balance your life out whereas I used to be able to just walk out at number three go hit a few balls go off have a beer and rock up the training whereas you've got to be a lot more balanced with my life now and and obviously being a role model is is something I enjoy, but you've got to make sure that you've got no slip-ups, so you're just that extra bit cautious around it with everything that you do. Well, it uh, seems to be going well as captain, so uh, good luck yeah. next summer with the Brisbane Heat and uh, in all the comps over the off-season. And, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a fascinating <clears throat> chat. I feel that you're sort of a groundbreaking Australian cricketer, you know, one of the first few that have really made their own path. And I just want to congratulate you. It's been a great success. Congratulations on getting playbook playbook coaching up and running. Uh, listeners out there, if you need a coach, the details are in the, um, the description of this podcast. So you could just hear someone tried to book you just to come over for a beer. Would you do that? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I might pay them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, Chris Lynn, thank you so much. Uh, listeners, thanks for listening to Cricket Unfiltered. We'll be back soon with another show.